0: um <clears throat> anyway uh how are you today dan i'm great that's good um would you like to get hyped today by hearing your own theme song yeah is there anything more self-serving than just listening to your own theme song
1: i've i've heard it quite Beating a bit off during it. I,
0: I, I it. I, I, I it
1: that's my bad all right this is typically where you rap over the song right I don't want to do any disrespect to Chris Piranda's work.
0: Potsy Webber. Hey, other character from
1: Happy Days.
0: <laughs> Ralph Mouth. <Malf. laughs> is that a character,
1: Ralph Mouth? Yeah, uh, Richie's crew is him, Potsy, and Ralph Mouth. Oh, man. Did he have, like, like oral herpes he was or like, something? He was like the ginger. No, Ralph Mouth. Oh, Mouth. 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 Malfoy. Yeah, like that. But... Welcome to the
0: Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. Ralph Mouth. Ralph <laughs> And, um, I watched Happy Days every day as a child, okay. every night. you think it would have had a stronger effect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I lived vicariously through Fonzie. That's good. That's good. You are the bad boy of the Movie Boost podcast, so you yeah, I'm it. just like Henry Winkler in that I, I put forth an image, but at home don't know how to ride a motorcycle and need a lot of accommodation <laughs> for my shortcomings.
0: <laughs> So you mean you're a Jewish actor? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, I'm definitely the Ron Howard of the production. I'd like to think I'm transitioning, though. I'm like in between full hair Ron Howard actor and completely bald Ron Howard uh, director um, with none of the accolades. I'm right in the middle.
1: I like to feel like you're more of the uh, the chachi of the situation. Great. (laughs)
0: Um, today on the movie blues podcast we're going to try covering a good movie for once Um, (laughs) space jam space jam 2 (laughs) i'm sorry space jam a new legacy (laughs) all right so we're doing the space jam episode that's how this one's starting um no we're not dan just got so excited (laughs) no we're gonna (laughs) Uh, Sorry, bud. Um, um, We we are going to start today um, with the fantastic John Woo film, Face Off. Um, This is a 90s gem. Everybody's seen Face Off. That I'm not, you know, I'm not here to tell you like... I had never seen Face Off. (laughs) I'm not here to tell you like, oh, you should really... um, Look up this very little heard of movie um, about Werner Herzog hunting a dinosaur. Now this is this is a movie that uh,
1: people. Think that they've seen, yeah. Therefore, people might actually listen to the fucking episode. No, unlikely. But let's not get crazy.
0: Um, and um, yeah, uh, we're we're at the point where we're just um grasping for straws. We're just trying to do the, the most acceptable things possible. We canceled all of our Ingmar Bergman episodes for this, so this is where we're at. We're doing face off. This um, is
1: our sequel to Disclosure from last season. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, lots of things in common with Disclosure. Most notably, this was produced by Michael Douglas. Which, um I can't believe that one
1: snuck past you
0: I I can't even believe that's possible what was Michael Douglas doing in this like how did he end up in this production do you have any like...
1: um so it he was originally supposed to be a star of it oh god um and I believe he was the one who optioned the script oh my god it was it was optioned way back in 1990. What? And it was in development hell for a long time. You're going to
0: tell me that somebody turned this idea down even once?
1: Uh, it was... I mean, we can go into the different iterations of it that existed right on the front end because originally it was supposed to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger Sly Stallone vehicle
0: oh my fucking god that, that that makes sense yeah
1: then it turned into a Michael Douglas and um Harrison Ford vehicle
0: oh my
1: god
0: and what Michael Douglas was like there's not enough talk about my penis in this one <laughs> my name is Michael Douglas I'm an actor. Um, Michael Douglas would have been fucking fire in this. I also would would like to say they probably would have matched him up with someone in, in way better shape than him, but had the viewer assume that Michael Douglas is in great shape like any Michael Douglas movie from the 90s. Yeah. They're like, this is a man who could very easily be working at a CVS, but we are going to pitch it as if he is the most shredded dude.
1: Yeah, arc. this is a man who Demi Moore finds so irresistible that she mouth rapes him.
0: So for face-off, they hired two men who are out of shape, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> which I think is
0: a uh, much more awesome grab. Nick Cage
1: um, is fit in this movie, man. Nick I mean, Cage besides is his fit. hairline.
0: Yeah, Nick Cage like has his pros and cons in this one. John Travolta is heading more towards the Pillsbury factory in this one than anything. They even they even call him fat at one point in, <laughs> over a computer in the movie, which I appreciated that level of self-deprecation. Um, but yeah, um, Face Off, John Woo film. Dan, are you a big fan of John Woo? Nope. Okay. Um, have you seen his other films? Some. Is, is he the one that did... Um, did he do Mission Impossible 2 or was that angry? Yes, okay, did Mission
1: Impossible 2. Okay,
0: right. Any movie that has a slow-mo dove flying yeah. around while
1: um out-of-shape men shoot at it um, is, going, yeah. is going to be related, I, right? My second to last note is uh white doves, slow-mo, Mexican standoffs. John Woo, bro. John fucking woo, bro. Slow-mo doves flying, bro, no big deal. The amount of slow motion in this movie is (laughs) unbelievable. If you took the slow-mo out of this movie, it would, no
0: joke, be 40 minutes shorter. I think that a lot of the slow-mo in this movie worked, except for on my 86-inch TV uh, in the year 2021, I can see the face of every stuntman in the movie. Um, So anytime they cut to slow-mo and someone was jumping, I was like, oh, there's a different man that looks nothing like John Travolta, (laughs) uh, (laughs) who is complete... They didn't even try to make some of them look... um, like John Travolta and Nick Cage, some of the stunt guys, especially in the boat. I, chase. I, I
1: was going to say in the boat, those were one, flat out two different. I guys. was watching it with Kat and she was looking at her phone and I was like, did you see that shit? There's, there's one moment where Nicholas Cage character is supposed to be doing like this, like barrel roll over the back of a boat. And it is <laughs> just clear as day. Someone that looks nothing like him. Not was, even a little bit.
0: I was slapping my wife's leg uh, during said scene as well. When Nicholas Cage was hanging off the side of a boat, holding by a chain Like, he's literally, like, skiing with his feet on the water. Right. On the side of the boat. Yeah. While, and and, and of course, no one is driving the boat for the majority of this chase. But he is hanging off the side of the boat and, and like, um, water skiing with his feet. This is after he's been shot in the shoulder. Oh, yeah. And is somehow able to anchor his entire weight so that he can literally run on water he's strong and i hit my wife and i was like you need to just look at the tv um she had no frame of reference she only watched about 20 minutes of it with me but um it was the good 20 minutes yeah Um, cat
1: was potting plants while this movie was going on i was like (laughs) you see that boat fly through that other boat
0: (laughs) um but um before we get crushing fully into the world of face off we have to do our daily segment um that we like to do on the movie blues podcast um Uh, 30 seconds longer than we usually last, a 60-second vignette where each of us will discuss uh, anything in our lives, what we're doing, what we're watching, um, who we've wronged on the internet, um, whatever you want to do. It's up to you. Uh, Is that some foreshadowing
1: for yours?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like putting ones that maybe are foreshadowing in. I don't think you'd ever be able to guess where mine's at today. Yeah, okay. Um,
1: But uh, Dan, would you like to start first? Okay. Okay, here we go uh today's rant i would like to highly criticize the philadelphia venue the kimmel center oh no um i went to order john Mullaney tickets this week and discovered very quickly that when you go to order tickets from the kimmel center they default your order to include a 100 dollars donation to the kimmel center which I unchecked what? and switched to the number zero dollars. hundred dollars? Yeah, I switched okay, it to on. zero. Okay. Um, and then it asked me, it's said, I hadn't ordered tickets from them in years. It said my billing address wasn't current. So I switched that, ordered my tickets, discovered that after I switched that, it reverted it back to me giving them a hundred dollars. Oh my fuck. Yeah. So I got charged a hundred dollars. Called them, sat on hold for 45 minutes, Oh no. only to be told that I was calling the wrong department, and this is the number I needed to call. And when I called that number, it went right to voicemail. And uh, I had to call back and sit on hold for another 40 minutes. And I yeah, yelled a lot, and I got my money back, but it took two hours. All right. That was some sad
0: jewish buying things misery <laughs> um <laughs> you should have seen me pacing around my fucking house oh i bet you lost your fucking mind
1: i saw you post on facebook you're like i oh, got it Sorry. i know and then i looked at my confirmation i was like did i buy five tickets like <laughs> did i buy a row how did i spend three hundred dollars on two concert tickets <laughs> Um,
0: Dan, you may notice today my throat is a little raspy. It's because a couple days ago, I started swallowing, and it felt like there was something horrible you started swallowing in my throat. It felt previously, like, you were spitting. It felt like a hole was going to open up in the roof of my mouth, and literally, you'd be able to see to my fucking brain. So I've been thinking about how did this happen. I don't really feel sick. I'm not really sure how this happened. And then I thought a couple days ago, I made cheesy gordita crunches at home. That's the soft outside shell with the hard inside shell. Yeah, everyone's familiar. And because I put so much sauce in it, it like, a piece of the... Um, hard shell, which was lubricated by cheese, slipped sideways down my windpipe, <laughs> and I didn't fully chew it, and I swear to God, Dan, it's still fucking in there. And I can feel something. It's like huge. And every time I swallow, I can feel it shifting in my windpipe, and when I yawn, it cuts my yawn off. I literally will go, oh, uh, So this morning I tried working it out for like a half an hour, like a cat with a fucking giant hairball just, and I could not get it. I still can't get it. It's really bad. Putting your finger down your throat and throwing up. No, that's my old diet. I'm not going back to those times. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my. Might help your new diet.
1: (laughs) Got him. That's uh, harrowing. I'm yeah. insulted by the implication that you would even consider them not aware of what a Cheesy Gordita Crunch is.
0: Okay, but like someone listening to this is no. like... No? No. Everybody. It's re-
1: the only thing worth ordering a Taco about
0: Guys, if you are listening to the Movie Blues podcast now and you know what a Cheesy Gordita Crunch is, thank you. <laughs> yeah, please, you, please review it on our comments. If you don't, I'm going to need you to leave a comment saying you didn't know the initial contents of a Cheesy Gordita Crunch so I know whether or not uh, it was worth spending... 15 of my full 60 seconds in heaven
1: um, describing it. I would love it if our only comments on like Apple Podcasts reviewing the podcast are just people being like, I know what a cheesy Gordita Crunch
0: is. Right. Um, (laughs) Since uh, I've begged now five times and not a single person will leave a review on iTunes, if you could please head there and leave a I know what a cheesy Gordita Crunch is comment, I would appreciate it. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. And and honestly, it would make me feel bad because it would make me know that you could have left a comment. Yeah, you were listening. At any time and you went out of your way this time to leave the comment about the Cheesy Gordino So crunch. to
1: the six people who s- somehow keep listening in Indonesia, this is your chance to shine. This is it. Go read your local
0: Taco Bell menu. <laughs> <laughs> Their Taco Bell's probably lit. Um, yeah, on fire. Um, <laughs> by a gang of pirates. Um, Dan. <laughs> Dan, um, today we watched the film Face Off, um, <laughs> which is the Midsommar way of pronouncing. Yeah, it. Yeah, f- uh, face off. Um, that's how Ari Aster would pronounce it. He'd be like, Face off." Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Fuckin, and hack. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I mean, this was um, this was an interesting experience. Um, I, I recently had seen it on VHS, maybe I would say a year and a half, two years ago. So it was while we were doing the podcast, right. and. Um, Again, um, this is one of those movies that, you know, listeners to the podcast will know that I've discovered a lot of the episodes of this show by watching tapes in my kitchen while I cook. (laughs) Um, This has come up many times. It's fascinating. Um, So, you know, get closer to your speaker. Um, But, uh, yeah, uh, your boy likes cooking to VHS tapes. And typically the purpose is to have something on in the background that I'm, I'm not fully focused in on. Um, and then there are the movies that cause me to stop cooking. Um, this was one of them. This is one of those moments where I drag a chair into my kitchen like a psycho <laughs> and, uh, as sauce is simmering way too low for way too long, I watch, uh, an entire movie. Um, and, uh, dinner's late for my wife and I do not provide a good explanation as to why it's just, I need to watch face off. That's that. Um, seems, seems like a solid <laughs> excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now having seen it, yes. Um, get a load of this shit. Um, <laughs> you won't believe this. <laughs> I'm hungry. Win! Shut up! Ah! You keep your mouth shut when I'm cooking. Um. So. um. It's like the reverse of like, uh, get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Yeah, get out of the kitchen <laughs> so and continue so to I wait. I can make you a sandwich. <laughs> That's the kind of uh, woke, progressive wife abuse that goes on in my house. I was like, get out of here so I can make you food, <laughs> bitch. Um <laughs> Um, Yeah, so um, uh, I kind of put that one in my back pocket. Uh, I have a few more like that um, that have kind of been stalled on the rails for a while, but I'm glad we finally got to this one again. And Dan got a little uh, flavor of this one this time in terms of um, the backpedaling, crashing feeling of trying to find a movie for the podcast. Um, You did your own kind of freaking out. Uh, to me like usually I'm the one that's like here are six movies which one should we do I'm stressed that this is too long blah right. blah blah. and you're like I don't care stop talking to me <laughs> just provide me with my homework so I just I can like don't understand do when you
1: work what do you mean oh like <laughs> when I have time to do my actual job yeah because you'll be like I'll, I'll turn on Facebook real quick on a break and I'll have 60 messages of you being like bro like come on like you want to do this? And I'm like, dude, I was fucking working. Relax.
0: It's, it's very integrated into my work schedule. Like I go to my boss and I'm like, I'm going to need a tight 30 <laughs> yeah. to text about the podcast. And, and then he's I like, just, no
1: I, so like sometimes I'll be like in a meeting and I'll be peeking down and I'll just like, I'll, I'll click the like, I'll double click the messages I like to acknowledge that I got them. Cause I don't want Dan to be anxious. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, bro, like, you can't dignify it with a response? <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> never said dignify to you, sir. Um, but uh, no, yeah,
0: Dan's in a meeting, and they're like, okay, here's our budget for next quarter. And I'm like, bro, how long is Ed? <laughs> the movie where Matt LeBlanc plays baseball with a chimp. How long is it, though? Will you watch it this week? Um, <laughs> the answer's no. Um, so, yeah, um, we did a lot of backpedaling, flying all over the place. We were going to do E.T., Versus <laughs> Mac and me for this episode, um, but uh, we thought that the, the our choices here were more pertinent. And and I thought that the would've... choices
1: here were me watching one movie versus watching yes. two movies.
0: Yes. I was trying to translate it for our audience. Uh, <laughs> we're going with the least amount possible. We're at the point, guys, where. I'm not going to say we're putting less effort into the podcast, but I'm going to say we very closely are looking at run times. Well, they're
1: doing they're doing E.T. at the Man Center with the Philly Orchestra doing the score. You should get ready. And I thought that might be the time for me to see E.T. for the first time. That would be cool. But if you hate it and you think the music's all cliched,
0: then you're going to have to go see a concert <laughs> to back up the end of the episode. Uh, make you buy the tickets before you watch the movie. Yeah, that's, right. the, that's the only way to do it. Um, just make sure to check off that $100 donation box to the Man Center if you don't mind. Now, the
1: Man Center is a classy organization. Um, you should have heard me yelling about uh, deceptive, business, <laughs> deceitful business practices to this poor customer service rep at the kettle Center. <laughs> Dan... <laughs> The words Better Business Bureau were thrown around numerous times.
0: Dan, I'm going to need you to try to recreate your um, conversation about deceptive business practices. Go ahead.
1: Um, So so I asked this dude for uh, his, his, uh, his supervisor and he said no. Um, because they're all working remotely and there's no ability to transfer. And I went on a huge rant about how they shouldn't be selling tickets to concerts if they don't have the support staff to build them up, to back them up. And after the second time I called back when he gave me a fake phone number to call to solve my my problem, I got the same customer service rep and he was harrowed. They were like...
0: um. Like, she just reaches down into her walkie-talkie. She's like, yeah, we got a- another one of these Fidelstein complaining Jews <laughs> yeah. up here. Um, yeah, complaining Jew at aisle one. Um, can we can we get this taken care of? They're like, okay, send him to the outsourced Indian uh, guy who's going to do the customer service. That gets the Jews even more mad. This poor guy, he was like, there's
1: no one to transfer you to. And I, 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 uh, I, fed a, I had a line that I've been fed to by my boss when I'm in similar situations at work where I said... If you were to get fired tomorrow, think about who would do it and then transfer me to that person. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is Jewish. I am all about that. Well, um,
0: I think we've talked enough about other things that don't relate to face off. What do you think, Dan?
1: Yeah, I probably should have saved that one for the Space Jam. episode. <laughs>
0: Oh, I think there's no end to our uh, Jewish anecdotes that we <laughs> that we have. We have uh, 58 episodes worth of it. I think yeah, I mean, can... I
1: went to IKEA yesterday. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, it's not a good place for me. <laughs> Lots
0: of trauma there. Um, <clears throat> face off. Um, this 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 was a movie. Should we uh, get down to discussing it? Yeah. Do you feel as if you've uh, stretched your legs enough here? Yeah, man. Okay, and we have returned from uh, our bathroom break. Well, our, I mean, we weren't both there together. I mean, I was there, and then you were there.
1: Yep. Excuse me, I have to use the little
0: voice. wee-wee room. Welcome, everybody, to the Movie Blues Podcast. We will be describing for you in great detail today one of the finest 90s classics that I have the pleasure of rewatching for this podcast. Um, face off. Yeah, I'd um, only
1: seen this movie in bits and pieces as a kid, like, uh, you know, flipping through the channels. I never saw it from the beginning. Yeah. And man, what a ride.
0: <laughs> well, I started re-watching this movie. Um, I wasn't quite sure if it was going to land the way that even my tape rewatch had because sometimes I do the tape watch. I'm like, this is hilarious for the podcast, but then we set the bar really fucking high and then I go back to something and I'm like, this isn't quite gonna hit it. And then within five minutes Nicolas Cage is licking a girl's face as a priest and I'm just like... <laughs> Um, this movie fucking rules. I'm um, not going to, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm not going to beat around the bush. This movie is octane, pure <laughs> Nas. This movie is what action movies these days think that they are. You know what I mean? Like I could see this being made today with like Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan or something yeah, like right. that. And they like, they were doing de-aging and, and face swapping and CGI replacement and, and every plane helicopter, air carrier everything in the fucking movie is digital it's made on some fat guy's computer and this movie is like we don't have computers the only computers we have show graphs so we're really gonna have to do all of this shit every time um and they fucking did um this movie is so excessive like the word excessive was written and invented to describe something like this um uh, 15 out of 10.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I did really, I was riveted by this rewatch though. Usually our movies are quite painful to get through. Um, this movie sat pretty at two hours and 20 minutes.
1: Um, that's like yeah, l- I watched, uh, I streamed it on, um, one of those streaming services that had commercials. So it was like three hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Usually, typically, every uh, message that Dan Enden sends me while he's watching uh, any movie that's over one hour and 20 minutes long for this podcast is like, uh, let's go, let's go, I'm bored, let's go. Um, This movie, however, uh, no complaints really across the board between DMs. Um, More just excitement. (laughs) (laughs) More just like, can you believe it? Um, And uh, yeah, believe it, I did. Um, The movie Face Off...
1: I did at one point message you saying this is an exceptionally long movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: We had and I did you as well. I sent you one that was like, Dan, this movie is so long. Yeah. Like so long. Um But, um God, there was a lot of love. Um, there's like several movies inside of this movie also. There was like a an action movie that took place at like a drug loft halfway through this movie yeah. that was the full length of a regular movie.
1: Um This just... movie had everything for the podcast. There was incest <laughs> There were... Stop there. <laughs> There's a little bit of... There was a ton of that. A ton of that, yeah. Um, From my boy uh, Nick Cassavetes. Oh, yeah. He was like... I-, I had no idea he was in this. He buddy. literally says,
0: I hate the police as he's just shooting cops with a shotgun. Nick Cassavetes <laughs> says, and I quote, I hate cops. Yeah. As he shoots a cop with a shotgun who is descending on a rope through his This ceiling. is
1: like... Until the boat scene, this is, like, by far the most epic – this is the most epic gunfire action scene in the movie by far. It is unbelievably excessive. And in- insane. It is in- pure insanity, and Nick Cassavetes is walking around cool as a fucking cucumber as his, like, $10 million loft is being destroyed by a SWAT team and just dropping one-liners yes. cool as a fucking cucumber as he's shooting everybody with a shotgun. People are plowing through his fucking windows with semi-auto rifles – This dude has a shotgun and he's just crushing all of them. They're in full tactical gear. It makes no difference. (laughs) (laughs) He's Um, walking around in a t-shirt just fucking spitting fucking comedy. um, He
0: is spitting comedy and like making out with his sister. Yeah. Meta genius comedy too. uh, at, At one point. Um, again like he's blasted on drugs killing cops like both hands everybody in this movie not a single person uses one gun one hand in no, this movie everyone, everyone is still, dual wielding all of the is, time this is like halo and 2. and it's
1: always two different guns there's john travolta's uh, yes. weapons it's, of choice are a fucking 9mm handgun with a fucking six shooter revolver
0: yeah uh, one dude was holding an Uzi and a handgun, which <laughs> yeah. has got to be rhythmically confusing when you're firing. Um, and Nick Cassavetti's is, like, under deep fire. He's blowing cops away, right? And they're cutting to, like, his bar exploding, paintings on his wall catching fire. And he just looks around and he goes, damn, my place is getting
1: fucked up. Yeah.
0: That is a genius yeah, line. so true. Um, <laughs> it was. I really appreciated uh, a lot of that kind of self-introspection, but lots <laughs> of this movie did not have that. There is a, a shootout at a church. That was the most (laughs) cliched. There was moments in the shootout at the church, Dan, where there were so many doves and pigeons. it, 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 It escalated. It went like doves for a while during that scene when they were in the church. But when they explode outside the church and continue shooting, then it turns into pigeons. There is a scene in this movie, and I'm not exaggerating for the purpose of the podcast, where John Travolta and Nick Cage both dual wielding shooting at each other. Are so caught up in the amount of birds that are flying up from the ground. Do you remember this moment? Yes. Where literally it was interfering with their fire, and they start brushing them away. Yeah, right. Like the birds, it was like it, it. was like Alfred Hitchcock on nitrous. It was just like birds e- everywhere. everywhere, dude. Shooting at birds everywhere. It was. It was bro. It was crazy. The
1: amount of times there is a scene where Nicolas Cage just walks upon John Travolta from behind. And they have to turn around in slow motion <laughs> and and miss each other at point right, blank range. Right, it's over um, and over. <laughs> <laughs> the entire church scene is just like. Oh, burr, 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 burr. John Travolta and Nicolas Cage are in two speedboats parallel to each other, um, no less than ten feet away from each other, yes. shooting at each other yes. with machine guns. Absolutely missing. Over Full and on. over for Full minutes. minute. Cut to, there's a police boat about a football field in front of them, going towards them. All of a sudden, Nicolas Cage is a goddamn sniper yeah. and blows ten cops away in a single spray of bullets. <laughs> then continues to try to shoot John Travolta, who again is right next to him and is not even close. It's like stormtroopers coming in and out of a fucking acid trip.
0: I mean, any movie where... Nicolas Cage or John Travolta's Blowing Cops 10 at a Time is going to be good in my book, baby. Hey. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay, So uh, let's let's zoom out a little bit really quick, um, because I think that there's someone the same fucking loser that didn't know the contents of a cheesy gordita crunch is like, what is face off? Right. (laughs) Um, I don't know the taco. I don't know the movie. (laughs) This podcast is horrible. Um, uh, Let me clear it up for you a little bit. Um, You may know this uh, just off the top of your head, but. The purpose and function of the title and plot of Face Off Dan. Yes. Um, that involves two men. Imagine Heat, if you will, <laughs> um, where it is a cop versus a robber at the opposite, most extreme sides of both spectrum. Um, and halfway through the movie, the two of them switch faces.
1: Yeah. Um, Kat didn't start watching the movie until about 40 minutes in. Right. And it was the rare situation where I was able to... I was like, no, I'm good. I can bring you up to speed. I can give you a plot Mm -hmm. synopsis (laughs) in less than 20 seconds. Oh, for sure. And you're fine with having missed the first 40 minutes.
0: And that plot involves um, uh, an extreme, strung-out, bizarre-performance cop going after extreme, strung-out, bizarre-performance criminal. Yes. Um, John
1: Travolta is the top FBI agent in the country. Nicolas Cage is the top global terrorist in the world. (laughs) Nicolas Cage tries to assassinate John Travolta. He mistakenly shoots his child instead within five seconds of the movie starting during the opening credits. That's just kind of a throwaway moment, really. Yes, that's really nothing. That's... Uh, smash cut to the future. John Travolta right. is trying to, his whole life has been consumed with hunting Nicholas Cage. Um, big gunfight ensues. Uh, John Travolta captures Nicolas Cage by kicking him in front of a jet engine and turning the jet engine on. A double double tap karate
0: kicking. Yeah. (laughs) First to the chest. (laughs) Now imagine John Travolta. This is post Pulp Fiction. Post Pulp Fiction. So the man is old. This is post Michael. You have to imagine that both Nicolas Cage and John Travolta at this point are embroiled in
1: a war with their hairline. Timeline wise you would assume that John Travolta was shooting this and Michael at the same time. Ah. <laughs> what is your hang up about Michael being near this? <laughs> it's, fucking, it's weird for them to be back-to-back movies for, <laughs> for John Travolta. Let's just
0: say like John Travolta's late 90s resurgence post pulp fiction yeah. is is it's unbelievable watching somebody grasp at every straw
1: handed to them. Yeah, I mean it's a dude whose career was compl- he was a s- massive star then was Totally fucking AWOL. Gone. His career was shot for ten years. Uh, gets put in one movie. They're like, Oh, he can still dance. That's neat. And he's like, Give me all of the jobs <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're like one second he's like
1: i need to get my money together to make battlefield earth
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean the funny thing about it is like you can watch um john travolta throughout the 90s and early 2000s uh fill up and then subsequently empty all of his pockets (laughs) um um, he really did some fucking stinkers in the 90s uh post pulp fiction um
1: well was he in anything like before that besides like look who's talking well i mean for like he had to take a
0: massive break that was it. Yeah. Um, uh, the world, I would assume, pushed back on him the same way that they pushed back on disco. They were just like, "This is not cool anymore." Um, like, take take a lap, John. Yeah. Go to go to the bathhouse and suck your masseuse off because. <laughs> You need a hot 10 years to relax. We're done with you. Um, no one
1: wants to. Uh, there's nothing cute about an adult running around being like, Mr. Kata.
0: <laughs> when they um, then, you know, Quentin Tarantino, like, looked at the whole situation. and He was like, like, what if I, like, dig up a piece of shit? Right. That everyone hates. Right. And <laughs> I put him in a movie and I make him cool again. Okay. Right. Um, and that's what he did. And John Travolta then got real high on his own supply and started making garbage, garbage movies yeah. where every movie. He was a cop a lawyer or somebody with some kind of offhanded mystical power last Um, week
1: uh tarantino was on joe rogan's podcast and rogan's like you like you know saved john travolta's career right and tarantino's like i did you know i mean here's the thing right um so you know saturday night fever welcome back cotter that was huge right okay um (laughs) and cut to cut to um i'm trying to get pulp fiction made and you know you make a list of people who you're okay with being the lead in your movie right and i was high on john travolta okay because i'm i my opinion is john travolta's fucking amazing there's a dancing scene who dances better than travolta okay right and the studio comes to me and they say we'll make this movie with anyone but travolta And, and I said no. So many people have said that before. Yeah, he's like, I put my foot down and I saved that man's career. And I was like, all right.
0: <clears throat> they were like, John, do you, do you want a, res- uh, a good whack at a resurgence at your career? And John Travolta was like, I, I don't know. Are they good at making <laughs> permanent, believable wigs on screen? Interception. Now our side's got the ball. Sorry. Um, and um, yeah, this is a movie in which... Um, The machinations are basically to churn out one-liners from both Travolta and Cage to provide us a world in which we can see John Travolta do a full-length Nick Cage uh, impression and vice versa.
1: Yeah, this is a movie in which John Travolta plays Nick Cage playing John Travolta and vice versa. Literally.
0: How this is not... Uh, recognized instantly as one of the greatest acting feats of all it's time. It's unbelievable. It's beyond me. John
1: Travolta's Nick Cage impression
0: is Amazing. immaculate. Now, both of them are doing what I would consider to be nuanced impressions. There is something that's become more famous now um, amongst the like impression community called micro-impressions. There are okay. people that only do micro-impressions. Um, it's It would be like... And I don't have anything prepared here, but it would be like, here's an impression of, like, Michael Caine looking at his bill when it's too high to restaurant. Right, and right. he's like, oh, that's a micro impression. Yeah,
1: just like hack comedy. This movie
0: was full.
1: That's like uh, Frank Caliendo.
0: These aren't full impressions. Like, John, uh, John Travolta isn't like, oh, I'm Nicolas Cage. It's not, like, that <laughs> bad. But they have their mannerisms, their line delivery, and the cadence of their voice good enough that it's subtle you're not like spending the movie being like what guys what are we doing like basically is like both actors are unhinged no in every other scene to
1: act like this
0: that well i have like sense. as a person he's. Yeah. Fucking, i sure have since he's
1: maniacal in this. um
0: good god i've seen him act like this since in so many movies where he's like uh, whether it's swordfish and he's being the absurd villain or yeah. or the most recent one um where he's a serial killer, directed by Fred Durst. That is the most <laughs> what unbelievable performance the man has ever given. It makes I you this thought, look you like saw that movie. Yes, yeah. Was it potable? Absolutely. It's <laughs> so it's so tone deaf and and completely wrongheaded towards. Um, people with like learning disabilities and Devin Sawa stars in it. So of Devin course, Devon Sawa, he's the oh, star bang, of the, Bang Bang, You're Dead. He's thing? the
1: star of the movie, dude. Did you ever see that Bang Bang, You're Dead? I I don't think so. It's a, Did, it's, we it's talk a, about It's that? a Showtime original Devin Sawa vehicle. Oh wow, people are eating this up. Um, <laughs> we should do that uh, that Fred Durst movie Duh. on uh, and release it when Limp Biscuit comes to town in mm. August. How topical? We're. Uh, Bunch of friends and I are taking a limo to Limp Biscuit. Oh my fucking God.
0: I watched a video of their first performance back. It was good.
1: Was it good? Oh
0: yeah. I watched them play uh break stuff for the first time since they get back and it was Ooh. it was <sighs> potent. It was <laughs> potent, dude. West Borland's up there looking like an orc from Lord of the Rings. It's fucking incredible. Like they are back. Um anyway, um, face off. Uh yeah! the, the names of the characters. That's where we have to start. Yeah. Because the names are fucking incredible. Um yeah. John Travolta is Sean Archer yeah best quote as they call him many times in the movie best cop in the country yeah great best cop name um and then we have Castor Troy great great like incredible villain name yeah. I don't know where they cooked that one up there yeah. just like and what's your brother's oil? name uh Pollux Troy yeah. which was great too great to say great on the mouth <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pollux
0: Pollocks, Pollock Troy um great names all around um it, it was not not quite as out there as like them being named like max powers and big dickman or something like that
1: but <laughs> it, it might was have, it might as
0: well be. it might as well be it was pretty fucking far up there um we had it because in- then you
1: have a world where repeatedly people just get to yell caster Troy
0: oh god they say it so many times <laughs> i wanted to have on the soundboard just the, the them saying each other's names but i knew i was gonna get carried away with it just pressing cast i'm
1: Troy. sean archer <laughs>
0: Damn it, I'm Sean Archer.
1: Um, This movie starts with um, John Travolta at a carnival with his child. And okay, when yeah. his kid gets shot, you think these are just regular intro credit scenes. There's right. classical music playing. It's showing, uh, you know, a clip of John Travolta smiling. Mm-hmm. It's like a montage situation. Um, All of a sudden, he pulls his kid off a carousel, and instantly you see first-person view of Nicolas Cage looking through a sniper rifle. shoots with him With a mustache. And, and then it's like a scene from It. There's just, like, multicolored balloons floating everywhere. <laughs>
0: Very true. Um, yeah, they introduce um, the crux of the movie, which is that um, John Travolta Uh John Travolta is <laughs> upset. Sad is no. He's like actively upset for years on end uh, about uh, Nicolas Cage trying to murder him um, at a carnival with his son. Now, it comes up later in the movie, and it's worth saying that Nicolas Cage never meant per se to shoot the child, but the child is in the line of fire yeah. when he shoots the sniper rifle. I would argue that if you're a bad guy who is going to snipe your enemy at a children's fair yeah, right. when he's with his child, that that gets rolled in. You can't yeah. really talk your way out of that. It's after also worth
1: noting that despite him trying to make that argument, previously in the movie, we see uh, John Travolta as Nick Cage infiltrate his boy's house. And all of his friends find it hilarious that he killed John Travolta's kid. They
0: They all revel in it. They have like a little like... They um, cackle with laughter. They have a corner of their evil clubhouse where there's just like a picture of Sean (laughs) Archer's son and they just laugh at it.
1: There's a moment where basically the joke is like... uh, John Travolta as Nick Cage. I don't know how to. We're gonna have to say John Travolta as Nick Cage no I, less than a hundred times. I, I I did want to create
0: like an anagram of some sort, like yeah. John as Nick. I mean, or we Nick should just assume
1: any time that anyone says Nick Cage says this, it is the character of Sean Archer <laughs> in Nicolas Cage's body saying this. But this is going to be impossible. But to they talk about. they take a bunch of drugs and. Right. laugh about how Nick Cage shot John Travolta's wife they love it at, or a kid and then he says that he bangs his wife and they laugh for 30 straight seconds um it is incredible they are very proud
0: of the fact <laughs> that they've committed these crimes which is the hallmark of any good criminal and um this is
1: like the exact opposite of Fast and the Furious is morality
0: um uh, <laughs> they do um uh set up a situation in which Six years go by after the murder of uh, John Travolta's son. And we kind of cut to John Travolta during his job at the FBI where he is ornery at all times. And not only that, but like when they do in movies, there's this cliche where they say, oh, you look like shit. And then you look at the actor and you're like, they didn't even bother to make this person. Right. Like I'm, I'm watching Fringe right now with Rachel and the main character is this beautiful Australian FBI agent. And she gets shot in the show, which they illustrate with her having one speck of blood on her face. And um, they end up being like, oh, Olivia, you look like shit. And she looks like a fucking supermodel. Whereas in this movie, John Travolta's physical appearance after the six-year time jump is absolutely chilling. Like he's (laughs) He's got... huge back i figure they just were like this is what he really looks yeah, like Yeah, right they just didn't put makeup we're on not him. gonna put makeup on him just send him out there He's like
1: joyless they're like he just got back he from just the ba- got back from an audit they're like he just
0: got back from the bathhouse and they're like no <laughs> they're like no just send him in they're like it's still all over his hands um <laughs> and um, <laughs> just wait till we get into the jet travolta shit we're not even there yet <laughs> Because this entire movie revolves around just John Travolta whining about his son dying. Um, <laughs>
1: like a fucking crybaby. <laughs> but like,
0: probably like he had to in real life.
1: Fuck. <laughs> when his son drowned in his pool. Oh my god. <clears throat> way, to, way to bring the mood down. Okay. <clears> Here <throat> we we're talking about fictional sons Did, dying, I that mean, was
0: hilarious. He just pulled a Robin Williams's second wife, you know? Was that him? Dead in the pool? I don't, I don't know. Look, people in Hollywood, they just end up dead in pools. Um... It's a thing.
1: What's his face? The dude from Little Rascals? Didn't he kill his wife in a pool? Remember that was a whole thing? It's a classic maneuver,
0: you know? He went to
1: jail. Just like... Remember this? This was when we were kids. It was like a big deal.
0: (laughs) Just like pro-athletes serial killing their family after their head injury finally kicks in. It's just a deal. Crippler
1: crossface! (laughs) That we have to deal with. Um, CT is serious, guys. Um... ban wrestling and football the dude who didn't know what the taco was is like what the
0: fuck is CT? <laughs> what is going on on this podcast
1: that's the movie podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> look there's a movie about ct now so even movie fans know what we're is talking there? about am i right yeah the one with um
1: oh the football, will smith the football playing concussion movie. yeah will smith what, playing called like,
0: concussion <laughs> uh is it it's called like It's like (laughs) Will Smith, but he's doing like a Trinidad nanny accent the whole time. Oh, Oh, dude. He's like, let me wash your clothes and make your waffles. I watched that movie. Did you? Yeah. What was it called? Concussion.
1: I think it might have been called Concussion. Head Rush. Clearly, it was very memorable to me, but I remember just <laughs> laughing my ass off at Will Smith's voice the entire time. He's like, I am the top doctor. Hear <laughs>
0: me now. You're going to hit your head. <laughs> your head's going to be hurt.
1: He's like, what if you didn't run
0: with the helmet into the man's head? When the two players go together, they go bomba clout. Um, <laughs> 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 to- delete this episode. <laughs> Note to self to when I'm editing, delete whole episode. Um. <laughs> Um, Okay, so uh, then we meet up with Caster Troy, who is dressed like a priest and setting a bomb in the the L.A. Convention Center.
1: Somehow, his hairline, to me, was the most disconcerting thing. Not the way the film was shot, not that he's in a priest costume grabbing a woman's ass during a sermon. Like, his hairline, they could have done something, because he's in countless other movies at this point in time, where his hair's a little bit longer. His balding thing is fine, but the length that they cut his hair to and then presented him as an action star is so funny to me. <laughs> Here
0: we are again, talking about the physical appearances of the nightmare creations <laughs> that they put into a movie. Uh, the war is raging in this one, Dan. Okay. The, the follicle war. <laughs> Nicolas Cage's hair, my wife... <clears throat> my <laughs> wife took a, took a look at the screen at one point. She was like, did they have a three-year-old cut his hair? And I was like, well... First of all, it's probably not his hair. So let's start there. Second of all, they cut it into what looked like a Julius Caesar (laughs) meets like unkempt serial killer version of said haircut. John Travolta's hair is just clinging on for dear life at this point. Um, When you look at the back of it, there's shit sprayed into it. It looks like a skunk. When you see a skunk, it's been hit by a car on the side of the road and all of its hair is matted black. The fur is blacked stained with blood. That is what the back of John Travolta's... They're like, do not shoot him from behind, please. They're like, okay, where's John's body double? They're like, why, is it stunt day? Like, no, it's hair replacement day. We have a slightly less bald man who needs to stand here and fucking... And fucking rescue this man. Um, now knowing that both actors have fully balded. Um, <clears throat> at least John Travolta's leaned into it. He shaved his head completely. Nicholas Cage is still in a war, man. He's still he's in the like the techno war at this point. It's uh the most evolved battle against your hair a man can fight. Um, yeah,
1: a lord of war, if you will. <laughs>
0: The dude's hair now is like, he looks like a mix between like a, a rooster. <laughs> They're either like, do you want to give him the upside down J today? <laughs> <laughs> or we'll give him the long wizard hair. They're like, okay, Nick can only do two more movies anymore. It's upside down J movies or wizard hair movies. <laughs> like, well, we, we've put him in as many Chinese produced martial arts movies, direct videos, video as we can this month. <laughs> John Travolta, on the other hand, uh, has gone full bald, but is still wearing wigs in movies. It's not working, John. Lean in. Lex Luthor style. Lean in. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's
0: an amazingly long song. Um, Okay, so back to um, the best movie of all time. Um, This movie, for me, um, was kind of like Armageddon, where it was just like everything that happened was pleasing. Um, I couldn't stop typing notes. My thumbs were swollen. Uh, even in between days of watching these movies. Um, The next day, I started going at it, and I was like, oh, wow, my thumbs actually hurt from the day before. And um, that is because this movie is incredible, and and it it operates under um, a lot of insane energy, which starts as I was describing a minute ago with Nicolas Cage as a priest, um, you'd think that in a 90s action movie that they wouldn't be fully aware of how crazy Nicolas Cage was quite yet. Right. Because a lot this of This is that, still
1: pre-8mm. I
0: would argue that this this is probably... This and Vampire's Kiss are the first two times that the man went fully overboard and just uh, went fully I don't bananas. know, man.
1: There are some fucking ladies' well, joints okay. where he goes fucking and insane. when he's
0: younger, he had a completely different crazy energy. I mean, like, wild at heart and yeah, stuff right. like that. He is crazy in those, but that's not quite what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the later Eric not, age. like, psychotic. Yeah, where they were like, literally, do anything! Yeah. Do it! Anything! Like, his performance in the beginning of this movie, he's dressed as a priest.
1: He's like, how many castles
0: can I buy if I laugh crazy? He comes outside uh, and there's everyone's having this huge choral rendition of Hallelujah and his first inclination as an actor, he, like, slaps both of his knees and starts, like, <laughs> doing, like, breakdancing yeah. moves um, and, and doing, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's very sexual and very, like, perversely charged dance moves right. in front of a Christian choir as he's dressed as a priest. Then he goes up behind a girl, and this is, like, um, if you were to say there's a recurring joke in this movie, um, it's, like, that Nicolas Cage's character likes doing full-bodied, full-fingered uh, hand slaps on women's asses, and then being like, "Ah, ah, ah yes, ah!" Like it happens like eight thousand times in yeah. the movie.
1: It's like it's like the women's asses are like a hot stove.
0: Um, and then even more genius. Yes. <laughs> then they have John Travolta do the same things when he is Nicholas Cage. Right. Um, I want you to. I know this is an audio medium. I'm going to play you a clip of the first time that John Travolta who is actually Nicolas Cage on the inside right slaps a girl's ass and note while you can't see it unfortunately the sigh of relief that he lets out um, after the slap
1: It's the president oh and your wife online too will you tell the president to hold okay <gasps>
0: <Ugh>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh yeah this is a guy who can only get off by spanking an ass. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he loves it. And then when um, John Travolta,
1: instant cummies. When
0: John Travolta (laughs) is in the body of Nicolas Cage and returns to his old hideout, women who know him and have been flandered by him come up to him and are like, "Do it, slap it, slap it right." And he's like, "Oh, I guess so." And it's just like slap. He's like, "Oh, yeah." (laughs) (laughs) It's a great joke that goes back and forth uh, throughout the movie that I appreciated quite a bit, Um, bro. Uh, um, uh, in that church scene Nicolas Cage then uh, licks a choir girl's ear he just kind of comes up behind her yeah, and does a quite full quite a bit lick. of
1: licking in this film
0: he grabs her ass and then the first oh that they give <laughs> in this movie right imagine the camera is 11 12 feet in the air panned down at Nicolas Cage as he slaps the choir girl's ass dressed as a priest he looks up at the camera to meet the camera's gaze. He's looking yeah. down the barrel, and, and you'll
1: note that the choir girl is unfazed by this because this is commonplace in the church. And then, like in a horror movie
0: moment, Nicolas Cage's mouth opens as wide as it possibly can, and he's just like,
1: <sighs> <sighs> <sighs>
0: like his his pleasure.
1: Yeah, oh, it's, it's like the end of, shell It's, it's like it's like the end of Body Snatchers <laughs> with the with the zoom into the it, mouth. Yes,
0: bro, the pleasure on his face. Well, he's got a handful of ace it is fucking nuts. <laughs> like, it's nuts <laughs> that they got that shot, that they kept it, that they ran it through the dailies, <laughs> that it went all the way through. Like, uh, God, just Google Nicolas Cage priest face off and yeah. you'll get the exact face that he makes when he makes contact with this woman's rectum. Um, <laughs> it is fucking stirring. <laughs> um. <laughs> And, 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 like, look, how much
1: of that do you think was written into the script?
0: <laughs> none of it. <laughs> Absolutely none of it. I Dan. need to read the screenplay of this movie. Because I feel like director John Woo was like, when he got Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, he knew what he had bought at the store and was like, I'm just going to make two full hours of scenarios where these guys can do whatever they want. Yeah. And, and, That leeway was definitely given because both performances are so unhinged and bizarre (laughs) um, and in such pleasurable ways. (laughs) Um, uh, and, And even the stuff I would argue that they try to do right comes off wrong. For example, another recurring thing throughout the whole movie is that John Travolta, a disgusting cop, has a disgusting, white, perfect family that he does this thing with where he takes his full fucking hand and he puts it on, oh, yeah. on his, either it's his wife or his daughter or his son's face and then does kind of like a face wipe, yeah, I would call it. Yeah, it's like a memory wipe um, So he does like a memory wipe where like that's his way, that's his love language, is putting his whole disgusting, dirty pig, <laughs> pig's hand, which has come from the fucking... The bath. From the bathhouse, on, stuck to it, and just rubbed. <laughs> uh,
1: Josh family in this movie is ridiculous. His, uh, his daughter—it has to be based on real life. His daughter is literally playing Josh Hartnett
0: from the faculty. Yeah, definitely. She is an enigma, surely. Um She's I, like, you just like don't understand me, Dad. <laughs> um, and please put a pin in the relationship with his daughter. Because, as Dan likes to point out in the Movie Blues podcast, oh, Dan's always going on about these weird father-daughter relationships. He's such a pervert. He can't just watch a movie. This was one of the weirdest father-daughter <laughs> fucking relationships in any movie I've ever it's seen. It's probably
1: amplified, though, by all of the time that it's Nick Cage acting as John Travolta, like sexualizing the shit out of the daughter um
0: it was so fucking uncomfortable when john travolta turns into a version of himself where Nicolas cage is his his soul his insides and then goes to his own daughter and philanders her outright is just like you're a peach i want (laughs) to eat your peach and then later in the movie is talking about john travolta's balls yeah and he's like Look at what your little soldiers produced. A peach. (laughs) Bro, it is so out there. And like there's scenes, it it gave me a very Cape Fear, Robert De Niro, Juliette Lewis vibe. Yeah. Where it was just like a grown man (laughs) who should know better as an actor and as a fictional character being sexually disgusting to a little girl and like being as outwardly as possible because we're under the guise that it's an action movie that they've switched faces but really all i'm all i'm thinking are two things one that john travolta as an as a human being is now basically sexualizing an actual teenage girl in this scene imagine
1: having that degree of confidence in your career at that point in time (laughs) to make that choice. So this was the first film that an American studio ever gave John Woo full creative control over. So all of these were like John Woo choices.
0: Well, he swung fucking big. Yeah. And he made it to the fences and beyond into the parking lot because God almighty, the fucking leash is off in every single way in this movie. There's father, daughter, disgusting shit. Nicolas Cage, normally in a movie like this, Dan, and especially if they made this movie today, when the the two uh, characters switch faces and, you know, the crazy serial killer goes back to uh, the cop's house to live with his family and daughter and wife. Today, it would be like, oh, there's some sexual tension. Oh, there's like um, uh, a disgusting moment where they almost kiss. Right. This movie, Nicolas Cage goes home, bangs John Travolta's Cage wife. Cage
1: immediately <laughs> finds John Travolta's uh, diary discovers that he's having bedroom problems with his wife and then makes it his life mission to bang the wife as soon as yeah. humanly possible. Yes. Like there, he is on the run from the law and he has no priority greater than figuring out how to bang the wife. It's pure spite. The entire movie It's unbelievable.
0: Now we have to talk about the face off. Dan, you ready to talk about the face off.
1: Yeah. I'd like to take his, his face. off.
0: they really meant it guys. Yeah. Um, So uh, basically they capture Caster Troy after John Travolta double tap kicks him (laughs) into (laughs) Into a 200 (laughs) mile fucking stretch where he's flying through the air because a jet engine is (laughs) like blowing wind right into his face. He goes all the way down this huge jet engine like combine fucking hallway slams against the wall and is in a coma. So it is in this coma that John Travolta realizes well, the bomb that he set in the L.A. Convention Center is still going to go off. We have to figure out from his brother, Pollux Troy, who is in prison, we have to figure out from him where the bomb is, what the code is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How are we going to get him to give this information up? He never will. He already knows he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah. He's not in any mood to fucking give up anything about his brother, who is just basically murdered.
1: Yeah, thank God they have a whole multicultural band of misfit cops who can really think outside the box. They got Carver from The Wire, uh, who comes in basically being like, "What if we just uh, cut your face off and put it on his face, <laughs> <And> vice versa?" <laughs> um, there's so many ways that you could fucking. There's centuries of of examples of how to torture someone into giving information. We know that the police in this movie have no problem working outside the law. Right, they could just question Caster Troy, Pollux Troy. Right. Uh, no, what they come up with is let's surgically remove Nicolas Cage's face, <laughs> put it on John Travolta, who has a completely different build, put, yep. it, put it on his face as if like any amount of skin could cover his chin and have him infolstra- <laughs> infiltrate a prison. Right. Also, there's a moment where <laughs> a, a very telling moment about the police where his his lady cop boss um, is like, no, nah, he'll be fine with it. Look, and just puts a cigarette out on Nicolas Cage's coat. <laughs> oh,
0: that was incredible. <laughs> Like to demonstrate that he was in a coma, she puts a cigarette. Yeah, totally tracks
1: with like the police as a whole.
0: Um, I will say that considering how fucking stupid the crux of this movie is, (laughs) that they made it believable as
1: to why they would do it. That ten times more believable than Tom Jane being blonde. Right, that was hard to swallow. But um,
0: (laughs) it, 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 it at least was set up in a way where. I wasn't spending the entire movie being like, but why did they need to switch faces? That is true. Right. However, (laughs) the science offered up to describe, explain, and, uh, you know, ground the idea of these men switching faces, I did not sit well with whatsoever. (laughs) So let me read to you. This is what, in less than 10 seconds, the doctor describes to John Travolta as the procedure that he will need to undergo to become. Nicolas Cage he says it's a temporary face trade (laughs) that's the first line of the pitch he goes temporary face trade kind of like routine work yeah right routine work temporary face trade with a new anti-inflammatory healing will only take days not weeks fantastic now everybody pay attention because I'm going to then after I read this tell you about how none of these things actually happen right um Temporary trade with a new anti-inflammatory healing that takes days, not weeks. Your blood types will not match. Height difference is negligible. We're going to use laser shears for the hairline. Cut to a graphic of one balding man morphing (laughs) into another. (laughs) Dead serious. Again, cut to a 3D graphic of one bald man shifting (laughs) into another. Microplugs for body hair. We'll do an abdominoplasty. Take care of those love handles," the doctor says, while yeah. pointing at John Travolta's body. <laughs> Again, they're trying to pitch this to him.
1: <laughs>
0: then he says, "All that's the easy part. So just yeah, that sounds an, an abdominoplasty. Yeah, it's a good doctor. That's the easy part. Here's the real science," he says. This is a state of the art morphogenic template he says holding up a yeah. template of a man's face. Yeah,
1: holding up essentially like a 90s version of a trans- of a power rangers mask but transparent.
0: <laughs> it kind of looked like hollow man after he had turned yeah, invisible. Totally. Totally. <laughs> the inside is modeled on your skull, the outside exactly like Troy's. Then we will fit his face on top, not a replica. The real thing.
1: You would think they would have done this vice versa and not had to have John Travolta morph into the person whose head is half the size of his <laughs> <as> him? <laughs> like it's it's your skull, but it's his face. Nicholas Cage. You would need five Nicholas Cage faces to cover John Travolta's head. Um, then we will fit Caster Troy's face on top of
0: yours. Not a replica. The real thing. And then the last part of this, by the way, he says really fast, kind of like at the end of like um, a Humera commercial, it's just like, this will make your vagina fall out. You will die of AIDS in 25 weeks. Yeah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. It was like, uh, then we simply connect the muscles, tear ducts, and nerve endings. Yeah. That sounds horrifying. Then
1: cut to a totally different scene where he's like, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to have to give you uh a, a implant on your larynx so you can sound like him.
0: Right. Well, first, they cut to John Travolta, and he's like, I'll have none of this. This is an insane <laughs> idea. Yeah, reasonable reaction. So, I, okay, I appreciated that, because I just swallowed some of the dumbest science I'd ever <laughs> heard in my life. Um, so I was like, okay, totally appreciate that. That's that's great. Then, cut to, of all the Movie Blues podcasts, this is the most, like... One of the silliest, for some reason, so many times you and I watch movies where there's silly police interrogation scenes. Yeah. Like The Rock literally threw a guy through the ceiling (laughs) in the last Fast and Furious movie. In this one, now, what they're trying to portray is that John Travolta um, doesn't want to do the face surgery. He thinks there's a better way to get the information. As you said, Dan, the cops have all these resources. Why can't they go in and just talk, you know, do do their police thing on somebody? Cut to John Travolta leaving a police interrogation room saying (laughs) he shit his pants. So, basically, he says no to the face surgery, cut to him interrogating a guy until he shits himself. Yeah. And then he comes back and he goes, all right, we'll do the face surgery. Right.
1: (laughs) It was a quick turn.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now, the surgery. Um... The first thing that they do is literally laser and pull off John Travolta's entire face, um, yeah. which they did not mention really as any part of the description of yeah, the surgery. But it makes sense. But it makes sense. Yeah. Um,
1: Luckily, they have like uh, one of those those little tubes that they put like uh, pre-born infants into at the hospital <laughs> and um, they put his face into it just... to keep alive. <laughs>
0: Uh, then they cut his hair with literal scissors, not laser shears. Right. They cut to just like a little manicuring scissors. Travolta's like, I was job.
1: promised laser shears. <laughs>
0: um, now, uh, here's how they pitched it to John Travolta. First, um, they show him that one of his coworkers who had his ear blown off in a shootout <laughs> right. is now sitting on a table where a 3D printer is creating him an ear. In then, seconds. In seconds, yeah. right?
1: So now as the viewer technology still doesn't exist by the way
0: as the viewer yeah I mean the whole point (laughs) of this is like let's take a pause for a moment the whole point of this is like people who do get face transplants which is very much a thing yeah. that happens in 2021 like for the rest of their lives. and like their face is melting off like mashed potatoes it does not look at all like the person whose face it began with it does not look anything like the person whose face has been swapped uh,
1: jeremy piven's nephew got a face transplant and looks way better
0: uh, uh, oh the taco almost came out but oh my <laughs> god bro it's Chilling. I mean, they're getting better at it. You can
1: hear all that and more on the Entourage podcast.
0: (laughs) It's still pretty much harrowing. Yeah, Dan and I are going to break up next season. He's going to do an Entourage podcast by himself, and I'm going to do a Lost podcast by myself.
1: (laughs) It's going to be six seasons, and then back to this, baby. Yeah, I didn't have time to watch uh, Mac and Me, but I watched five seasons of Entourage (laughs) in the last two weeks. (laughs) Um,
0: So uh, when they show this ear getting laser printed, you're like, oh, okay, so they're going to make a face. Right. That is what they're introduced. They're going to make Nicolas Cage's face yeah, so tough. that they don't need to even take Nicolas Cage's face off. No, this
1: is just to prove to to John Travolta that they're good at science,
0: bro. They literally switch the men's faces, <laughs> and in the setup, they never talk about having done that. Um, right. Uh, cut to like him fully recovered in like a fucking day. They never, in any of the face swaps or switches, talk about the abdominoplasty. Because that's something that you can't. I mean, recovering from something like that is way different than. Yeah. I would assume, first of all, having your entire face removed and another man's face put onto yours would take a long time. Muscle. A long time to recover. You'd have bruising everywhere. Nothing. No amount of anti-inflammatories that they had invented are going to like. John Travolta's
1: biggest concern. He's like, I need you to make sure you put my bullet wound back when I come back. (laughs) So so stupid. That's like. John Travolta's entire character arc in this entire two-and-a-half-hour movie is that by the end, he's okay with not having his bullet wound come back, (laughs) his scar. Um, so That's they, his growth. As Dan
0: said, uh, the, the reason they switched faces is so that John Travolta could uh, infiltrate a prison. And in a movie where everything is excessive and nothing is as it should be, the magnetic moon boot prison that John Travolta <laughs> yeah. is sent to is like this a cyberpunk de- hellscape. It's like Demolition Man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's insanity. It's insanity. It really- it's um, very,
1: very Demolition Man. At,
0: at least in Demolition Man, they were like, "Oh, you wipe your asshole with a seashell." Like, look at all this future tech. There's nothing futuristic in this movie. But the guys are switching faces, and prison is a magnetic moon boot prison where they have a 15 foot wall video screen. Right. Um, what I I could I just couldn't get past the video screen. <laughs> it's all I could think about. They were like. Uh, You know, and they talked about it 25 times. They were like, oh, well, you know, they put the nature video on on the um, video wall so that, you know, it calms us. Like, why? Why anything? Why would there need to be a video wall? There's no fucking... They don't... You don't need that. Especially
1: because a scene later, it's demonstrated that this prison is run extremely shadily and they abuse the prisoners with regularity.
0: Right. So why is there entertainment at all for them? And there's a scene where Caster Troy... um, uh, as, Nick, as John Travolta stops the bombing, and for some reason they're like, all right, we'll put the news on for everyone to watch in the prison. <laughs> now, uh, you classic know, you, woo. Cops, we don't give them much credit on this show. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we won't today. <laughs> and we won't today, because I could make fun of the fact that um there was a 15 foot wall uh long video wall inside of a prison or i could just make fun of the people who created it because those guys are idiots because the way <laughs> they broke out of the prison was by overloading through a mainframe on a computer the video wall right which exploded
1: yeah yeah it into, should, it into sure sparks
0: did. um uh, also really questionable moments throughout that in terms of the movie's thoughts towards police and prison workers and people like that in the sense that um John Travolta, best cop in the country, even though he's in Nicolas Nicolas Cage's body, kills no less than 20, 30 people in a prison riot that he starts. Right. um, And people die big time, including inmates.
1: Do what you gotta do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's also worth noting that um, after all this
1: science is...
0: Wait, hold on, Dan, though. When you say do what you gotta do, keep in mind that at that point, the bomb has already been diffused. In one of the most genius parts of the screenplay of this movie, when the do, when the two of them do switch bodies, Nicolas Cage decides, as John Travolta, to diffuse the bomb instead of letting it go off. He does it so he gets more famous, so that he gets more power, blah, blah, blah. At this point in the movie, the only reason that John Travolta is breaking out of prison and killing 30 to 40 people
1: is solely to go after Nicolas Cage. It's to get out of prison. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's worth <laughs> noting at this point because... That's true. <laughs> the entire premise that sells John Travolta is that whole line of science that Dan just laid out. They spent a whole bunch of exposition on proving how good they are at science. Um, they proved that Nicolas Cage was in an irreversible coma by putting cigarettes out on him for fun. And then turns out that their science was so good that the act of having his face removed hurt and woke him up from the coma.
0: So wow they really thought it out
1: so he got up discovered that he had there's this one scene where you just see the shadow of Nicolas cage on a phone it's just like instead of seeing him you see the shadow of him because they didn't want to spend the money to do the prosthetics of him being faceless and (laughs) he's on the phone being like "Ah, i i i woke up and i have no fucking face i mean they did show him for one second with no face and it was
0: pretty awesome (laughs) and not only that when Nicolas cage wakes up without a face And it's basically like Two-Face from Batman the Animated Series cartoon where he's just like freaking out and calling people. Um, (laughs) He's smoking a cigarette, which is like one of the most unpleasing images you could ever imagine (laughs) is a man whose face is wet to the touch with blood, (laughs) sinew, and tissue, literally smoking a bogue. Yeah. It is disgusting to look at,
1: and it, it just—it's all—it's all just it, everything in this movie is explained away so fucking quickly. It's like oh, the amount right, of one-off lines is like, incredible. To create a situation in which John Travolta is supposed to be stuck in prison forever as Caster Troy, it turns out that Nicolas Cage, as a faceless man with the work of a single phone call, can get an entire round of uh, government officials and high-powered special agents rounded up, brought into the police station. Have them gather all of the evidence of this elaborate surgery and burned alive. Right. With one phone call. <laughs> if he had that degree of capabilities, why didn't he just get busted out to begin with before they fucking ripped his face off? Another thing that I found funny in and around this scene too was um. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I, I need to. I need to address this point because I got really hung up on this. Sure. That with one phone call, Nicholas Cage <laughs> achieved all of this infiltration and elaborate <laughs> evidence destruction. Yes. Cut to John Travolta as Caster Troy, trying to pitch his team that they need to take out Sean Archer. Right, and they're like, uh, "I don't know. Sean Archer's house. What are we gonna take him up at his house? He might have an alarm system. Like, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty secured guy." They had no concerns about kidnapping an entire round of <laughs> cops and infiltrating their high tech prison and burning the fucking place alive. But they're like, "We can't go into John Travolta's house." <laughs> That's wrong. They, they, dude, they were like, he's a really, they're like, he's not an no ordinary cop. He knows karate. He does. <laughs> he knows he, a he fuck was, ton of karate. He was
0: throwing some high kicks throughout this one. Um, When they're in prison, Nicolas Cage and Pollux Troy, who is his, his brother, right? They're like in cahoots with each other. They, uh, you know, when I say they've spent a lifetime together, I know that's very obvious because they're brothers, but they have, they do set it up in a way that they have a very close relationship. Now, Nicolas Cage, as we all know, has John Travolta inside of him <laughs> and is not actually Caster Troy. but Both on set and off set. When he... Sh- <laughs> nice. <laughs> when he shows up, Immediately, Pollux Troy is suspicious. He's like, hmm, like he's acting strange, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah,
1: because he knows karate. Like,
0: bro, I don't care if your brothers yeah, you right. spent your whole life together. You would have no conception that never. there would even
1: be, he's he's like, wow, that, that guy who is literally my brother might be John Travolta in a Nicolas Cage suit.
0: There is, there is no world in which you would be like. That is not my brother.
1: Yeah, especially when he just came out of a coma. He's under the assumption he got shock therapy. He, prior to right. that, he was in an elaborate gunfight. He like, was rumored of, dead. And it, it's basically like John Travolta acts or Nicholas Cage acts a little bit off. And within five seconds, his brother's like, something feels off here. <laughs> meanwhile,
0: meanwhile, his brother is so successful. He's like meeting with the president. Or yeah. not his brother, Sean Archer. Yeah, right. Um as as nicholas cage as john travolta is like living his best life and making sean sean archer's life better than it ever was everything
1: that real john travolta was ever trying to achieve nicholas cage as john travolta achieves within days
0: um things escalate with um sean archer being actually caster troy um he tries to bang his own daughter that is very disturbing um calls her a peach a bunch uh, he actually he walks into her room and he goes you've got something i crave yeah and then reaches past her and grabs a pack of cigarettes yeah which he then like licks his lips disgustingly and like <laughs> he, phallically he rubs is, all over his mouth he is foul yeah in this
1: movie.
0: <laughs> imagine being like john travolta's kid actually watching this uh, movie it'd be very disturbing yeah from the pool uh, i uh, i knew that was coming I should have had the wah-wah-wah-wah instantly queued up, you know? <laughs> Jet Travolta, everybody. <laughs> Tip your bartender. <laughs> um, uh, they also set up in the science of this movie, which Dan mentioned very briefly, um, that uh, to anybody who's wondering why their voices aren't different, um, they had a voice chip, which was, like, the size of, like, a fucking Kit Kat, basically, jammed down their throat. Um. Yep. And if they were to... And the doctor says to them, if you jostle this thing, it'll fuck up. And then they proceed to go through 400 action scenes (laughs) where that chip never deactivates and they're constantly talking uh, in the other person's voice. Thought that was very believable. Um, And, um, you know, we get past, like, um, John Travolta hitting on his own daughter. um, And in the meantime, we kind of have a foil relationship where... Nicholas Cage, who is really John Travolta inside of himself, is, uh, <laughs> is um, meeting uh, Caster Troy's son, who Caster Troy didn't even know existed Yeah. Um, for the first time. And so basically you have a guy, Sean Archer, whose son was murdered, who he's been obsessing about the murder of and, and not having a son for a creepily long time, um, coming up against... Uh, Caster Troy's real life son who looks much like his son to the point where, and this kind of leans into uh, Nicolas Cage in the movie, who's being uh, played by John Travolta on the inside, goes completely insane, which is like an unexpected plot point. It's an expected plot point for... Um, sean archer with caster troy inside of him to become a super famous cop to bang his wife to do all that stuff but the stuff that happens on the other end of the spectrum is just as bizarre right. um, and so um he's consuming ambiguous drugs yeah john travolta is like being consumed by caster troy's yeah. identity which is something that doesn't happen in the other uh route in the other route Um, Nick Cage is just having the time of his life banging this dude's wife and like hitting on his daughter. He's having the time of his life. John Travolta's having an awful time with the face swap. He's in jail. He's on the run. He jumps off an oil rig in his underpants. It's a lot of things happen um, that are negative on his end. And they meet... This kid and he's so mixed up in his fucking head, especially from doing drugs. He's like, Michael! Then Michael! Like, my Michael! Which is, <laughs> which is his son's name, but he says it like in in like a cliche way that like one guy calls out like his lover when they're having sex. Uh, calls out the wrong name. It was like that moment from a movie, but with a child, <laughs> which was very arousing and um, they <laughs> They um
1: only cuz Gina Gershon was also Yeah, because great.
0: she was like the she was the cuck in this situation <laughs> <laughs> as the kids mom. <laughs>
1: Goshen's relationship with her child is so fucking bizarre in this movie (laughs) she's simultaneously so protective yet so irresponsibly reckless and trying to pawn him off on everyone (laughs) (laughs) she's at one moment being like don't play with guns and the next moment shooting numerous police officers in front of her child
0: (laughs) that child survives the most raucous gunfight in like movie history um which was beautifully filmed um, and he's listening to mo. Yeah, he's listening to Somewhere over the Rainbow on a pair of headphones so he doesn't hear the gunfire. No doves. Really glad that they evolve into that being the diegetic soundtrack like completely over everything. That was a nice stylistic moment uh, during a period of time when that kind of stuff hadn't really been you know, in the forefront. Yeah. It's um, very,
1: it's very, uh, there was a firefight. Like, <laughs> remember <laughs> this?
0: Um, in a firefight, there was <laughs> yeah. thousands of bullets expended. No one's killed. Um, like every scene in this movie where only side characters die, but caster Troy and Sean Archer are just bullet deflecting like matrix characters. Yeah.
1: I feel like, do you feel like John Wu lifted that directly from boondock saints since boondock saints hadn't gained steam yet? I,
0: Hard to say. I mean, you do have a moment in this movie where, like, for example, something like Reservoir Dogs, which was obviously before this, ends in a crescendo with three or four people pointing guns at each other. This movie ends in a crescendo of 25 people. Every John Woo movie.
1: Every John Woo movie. Ends with a Mexican standoff. This was the biggest Mexican standoff I think I've ever seen. Yeah.
0: People were popping through windows <laughs> yeah. and they were like, oh shit, you're here. And they would pull out a gun and they would be in it. People, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. A dude like came in through a window. A guy came yeah. in through the
1: door. It was like they, Son of the Mask when his, ma- his axe pulls out another axe, which pulls out a
0: gun. <laughs> the, the excessive nature of that Mexican standoff is, is the stuff of legend. That should be just put up as a clip by itself for the world to see because it was amazing. Um, and then when it does go off, people do get shot in that Mexican standoff, but it, it does lead to then a about 38-minute scene of John Travolta and Nicolas Cage <laughs> chasing each other, expending hundreds of thousands of bullets. Every five seconds, there's a Max Payne yeah, slow dive.
1: Nobody reloads once in this entire film. <laughs> the
0: game Max Payne was surely based directly on this movie of yeah. all of John Woo's work. You There are moments where... Uh, especially Nicolas Cage is doing the exact bullet time dives um, that you see in Max Payne, like the exact ones. And then on top of that, the Mexican standoff, as excessive as it is, when the guns do start firing, it gets more excessive. They zoom into the barrel of every single gun that fires and show the the bullet. bullet. They show the bullet flying out of like it was like a Bukaki scene. It was like all these long <laughs> barrels, fucking nuts being blasted everywhere, like people screaming. It was it was didn't really something. Did
1: they make a Max Payne movie? They did with Mark Wahlberg. Can you believe they didn't cast David Arquette? That was such a letdown.
0: They should have, and they should have made it a good movie too. Should <laughs> <laughs> have doubled down on that. Um. Uh. Yeah. You know. Mark Wahlberg's um, like
1: you killed my kids or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not even gonna bother <laughs> max Payne 2 fall of max Payne. um great game max f- pain 3 could do without it
0: the final yeah i could do without it too there's too many cutscenes. The, 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 the plot's
1: very convoluted
0: they're, they're in headache. latin america max Payne 1 and 2 for me 1 is absolutely the best 10 out of 10 um, 2 is like a 9 out. i of think ten. 2 is the best by a lot far. i would say most people would say that but i think the character switching in 2 made it so that the narrative wasn't quite as strong
1: should we do like an episode like we did with son of the mask where we're live commentating but it's just us doing a full run through of max Payne?
0: i have max Payne in so many different variations i have it for game boy yeah Advance. i had the game boy version you ever see that one yeah, yeah that was i like had crazy it. yeah the advanced one where it was like mm-hmm. top down almost yeah. that was crazy yeah um anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> great property the final fight of this movie is like watching the Spider-Man versus Spider-Man meme come to life with like <laughs> Rasputin-level HP for both characters. They are stabbed. They are shot. They are semi-drowned. They're blown up by a boat. Everybody is... Injured in every way possible. The final fight of this movie is kind of like Ravenous. If anyone has seen that movie before, Dan, I know you have. But um, it's where uh, pretty much everybody's getting stabbed, shot over yeah. and over again. Uh, grievous wounds everywhere this, this happening. This
1: really asks a lot of you numerous times. Um, <laughs>
0: while he is dying, John Travolta, who is actually Caster on the inside, tries cutting his own face off. <laughs> while he has a harpoon inside of his body stuck to a boat. <laughs> he tries he's like, if I can't have it, you can't either starts I know, cutting his I know. own face off. And like
1: John Travolta gets his face back, but has no scarring from that either. Right. And dude, the scene when John Travolta comes back, like you'd think after such a major ordeal and major surgery, he'd need to get picked up from the hospital. Sure. Instead, what happens is it's it's like There's a bunch of fog and smoke. It's very (laughs) Michael-esque. Where he just shows up in slow motion to the front door with this shit-eating grin and a
0: child. Okay, so (laughs) final scene of the movie. Um, John Travolta, um, Sean Archer ends up defeating Caster Troy and killing him. Uh, they brush away the fact that the men's faces are swapped back, even though the company of doctors who did the initial surgery
1: has been burned, alive, tortured and well, murdered. Well, his wife goes when when he's in the ambulance, She's his wife's like, w- the best. His wife's like, don't worry, Sean, they're flying in the best plastic surgeon from Miami. He'll be here tomorrow. You'll be fine. Right. Yeah, that would. So it turns work. out you didn't need like a super secret surgeon. Mm hmm. This is fine. Um, and then John Travolta
0: as Dan just beautifully described shows up like in a Hallmark commercial back to his house. Um, for some reason There's
1: doves everywhere. For
0: some reason his <laughs> wife was not at the hospital during any of these surgeries. She's just been waiting like like a fucking classic 50, 50s housewife with a meatloaf yeah. in the oven waiting for him to come home for 6 weeks.
1: He shows up with Caster Troy's kid. Do you think for he... them to adopt? Do you think and then he... after sending the kid to his dead son's bedroom Then asks his wife permission to adopt the child. This is such a cop move. (laughs) Like, he
0: shows up. He's like, I survived all of it. We're done. We're through with it. And she's like, oh, I love you so much, baby. Like, I'll forget about all the bathhouse shit. It's totally (laughs) fine. And then he's like, oh, here's a kid. Yeah. And he just looks at his wife. It's like the scene from a movie where someone brings home a dog. And they're like, can we keep him? Yeah, right. And his wife's like. But it's an
1: orphan. Yeah. His wife is
0: like, sure. Yeah.
1: What? Before no. even, before saying anything to his wife, he tells his daughter to bring the kid to her dead brother's so bedroom. So manipulative. It's so weird. It's so but fucking he, wrong. He, he's like, hi, um, this is Max. Max needs somewhere to stay. So I thought he could stay in our dead son's bedroom. I know that like my inability to deal with my grief regarding our dead son caused all of this, but... I was,
0: I'm so troubled by the end of that. <laughs> I mean, he... The way he brushes it over and then they just kiss, cut to credits. Yeah. It was just like, wow. Okay, yeah. wow. You really, after so much trauma. What a neat little bow to put on top. You're like, oh yeah, by the way, I survived. They gave me a reverse abdominoplasty. They put fat back on me. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, they have re-altered <laughs> th- my hairline. I have no scars, even though. you think he would have kept the positive aspects of Nicholas Cage. I know. He, he just abandoned the whole deal. Yeah. Probably, he, they probably gave him a huge cock and they had to shrink it. He's like, these love handles are for men to grab onto. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> More. Bring that energy. Um, Go off. Um, John Travolta's gay, everybody. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Oh, I ruined the joke. Fuck. Um, anyway. Yeah, that, um, this movie was full of him, really. Expanding his range in that nature, just like, I really appreciated Danny Masterson expanding his range in this movie. Bro, what a
0: Movie Blues podcast beautiful moment that was for John Travolta to be beating up Danny Masterson for the way he treats women. In
1: plot! Yeah, this movie really asks a lot of you by trying to see Danny Masterson as a sexual predator. Yeah, I
0: mean, I don't want to ruin the joke or anything, but he's in prison for being a (laughs) rapist right now. So that's a huge problem. But this this felt great. I mean, I I was like, yeah, beat up the rapist. He he
1: basically tries to rape John Travolta's daughter. Yes. And John Travolta treats him like The Rock treats anybody. (laughs) Or just period.
0: Uh, He's he's like, say you're sorry. They're like, oh, uh, the roofing company called again. Oh, we got to patch up another ceiling at The Rock's house. (laughs) <laughs> the Rock put his wife through the ceiling again. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to ratings, maybe? Should we? Yeah, Do you have sure. any final notes you'd like to say about Face Off while I feel as if we've said too uh, much?
1: Everything's been covered, man. I mean, like, outside of Tom Jane being in the movie, which always knocks a point off for any movie that he's in for me. Totally. And him being blonde talks a lot of he was like he was in the movie for four seconds he was like
0: styled to look like Einstein or something it was so what a weird vibe (laughs) so I was like who's this creepy old man they
1: could have cast anybody to look who actually looks like that Steve Buscemi was busy (laughs) Jesus they, Christ. What is with Tom Jane constantly being cast as unattractive men that they need to do all this fucking oh, shit to I his I don't face? know. They're like, oh, he's actually has some in-depth
0: performances like
1: make him ugly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can't have that in a movie with John Travolta. Right. I just, America's any man. Yeah, I think literally any man mm-hmm. for John Travolta.
1: Yeah, we get it. <laughs> John Travolta's impression of he's Nick good. Cage is one of the most <laughs> pleasing things mm-hmm. to my eyeballs that I've ever witnessed.
0: Dan sent me a text. Dan, what did your text say?
1: It said, uh, John Travolta's Nick Cage impression is my life force.
0: And then I sent him the top note open on my notepad from this movie, which was um, his, his impression is everything to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is as good as movies get, but um, <sighs> we're going to have to ascribe it some kind of notation in terms of a numerical number from one to 10 on our Golden Gun rating scale. Dan, talk to me about your rating for today's film.
1: Yeah, so what did I give Armageddon? A 7.5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give Faith. Phase- so this. I-, I need to preface with this asks a lot of me because I both hate action movies and I generally hate big blockbuster movies and I don't care for John Travolta at all. With all of that said, I give this movie a 9.5. Oh
0: my God.
1: Tell them I'm writing at the board. He's writing at the board. But he's shocked. Dan messaged me saying, this movie's so unbelievably long. And there was a point where I I did my usual pause to check how much time is left. And normally in that scenario, there's like two hours left. In this point, there was 15 minutes left. Incredible. I didn't want it to end, even when it did end. It was just so funny to me the entire time. (laughs) I laughed my ass off. Every action scene. Dude, there's a scene where John Travolta uses a speedboat to as a ramp for his speedboat to blow through the speedboat. It's just like a speedboat inception in slow-mo. Um, kind of like an alien, a speedboat
0: bursts out of the <laughs> chest of another speedboat. It is fucking profound. Profound art it's art yeah this was i gave this movie an 8.9 which is really high and that brings our total score up to an 18.4 thus making it not only the highest rated movie of the entire season but almost beats the entirety of season three except for barry linden
1: yeah that tracks I, I enjoyed that's why i wanted to do this episode second because it was the first time i liked a movie since i mean i guess i liked simone
0: this beat Disclosure by a full four points. How do you feel about
1: that? I like this more than Disclosure. Hmm. Disclosure dragged a little bit. You're I think right, like as right. a whole, I found Disclosure to be somehow more of a crazy artifact. Um, but just knowing that Michael Douglas produced this really helped. So good. Like I, I could have gone another hour, man. No. <laughs> Part one, face. Part two, off.
0: Yeah, this movie let two of the best, worst actors of all time absolutely expand their range. And um, it was a blessed uh, blessed two hours and 18 minutes of my life. Yeah. And, um, you know, who knows when we'll have another one. But um, this was a good one.
1: Yeah, I, I loved it. Dan, final thoughts on Face Off? Fucking watch it. Watch this. Don't watch Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Watch this. Don't watch uh, Michael.
0: Watch this. Don't go to the bathhouse on Santa Monica Boulevard. Or, Stall three. Still covered from our boy Travolta.
1: Or do, depending. Or do. The-
0: yeah, no, no, no. Nothing's wrong if yeah. you do. Right. I'm saying like mm, for cleanliness. Not not. It's not like a straight or gay thing. It's like if you want to sit in dried. Yeah, comb. it's COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a COVID thing. <laughs> Good point, Dan. We're Again, we're most concerned about you and your safety. The listener.
1: Mr. Kata! <laughs>
0: uh, Dan, um, it's been a pleasure, and um, we will see everybody next time on the Movie Blues Podcast with Dan and Dan.
1: Baby! <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that?